So we are in our third and final week of our sermon series called Walking Dead, where we're looking at this idea of zombies having taken over the world. Sounds crazy, right? Well, imagine this. Imagine a world where the dead walk among us, where dead people walk around at your school, at your place of work, in your home, in your neighborhood. Dead people stumbling through life without hope, without joy, and without freedom. The definition we're using for a zombie is this, a person or a reanimated corpse has been turned into a creature capable of movement, but not of rational thought, which feeds on human flesh. And I would argue that zombies can be found in the Bible. So the book of Ezekiel, chapter 37, Ezekiel chapter 37, the Lord speaks to the prophet Ezekiel and says, hey, Ezekiel, go to this valley. And so he does, and he sees in this valley uh, a valley full of dry Bones. And the Lord says to Ezekiel, can these bones come back to life again? And Ezekiel says, Lord, only you know. And so the Lord says, prophesy Ezekiel over these bones. So he does. And the bones come together. Sinews form on the bones. Muscles form on them. Flesh takes them. But the text says there's no spirit in them. There's no spirit, no life, no breath, no wind in them. They're missing this life force. See? Zombies. And unfortunately... I think that many of us are like this. Uh, we go through our daily lives, we live, we go to work, we pay our bills, we watch TV, we're in some relationships, but we're not really living. We're like zombies. There's something missing in our lives. So here's the question that we've been asking each week of the series is this, is there, is there something in your life that is sucking the life out of you? So two weeks ago, we looked at uh, the love of money and how greed can suck the life out of you when your possessions possess you can suck the life out of you. Last week, we talked about toxic relationships. Enough said. And today, we're talking about lack of purpose, how lack of, lack of purpose can suck the life out of you. The Scottish historian and political philosopher Thomas Carlyle, he once wrote, the man without a purpose is like a ship without a rudder a waif, a nothing, a no man. And we see this of people who, why are you doing what you do? What you do? Why are you living your life? What's going on? I don't know. Uh, a lot of people just, I see them floating through life, uh, just going around wondering aimlessly. But our God, our God is one of purpose, and he acts with purpose on purpose. So our main text that we're going to look at today is from the book of Numbers. So if you could grab your Bible and turn with me to the book of Numbers. Before we look at that text, I want to tell you what has led up to this text. And so it's kind of a long story, but in Genesis chapter 12, uh, God speaks to Abram, who goes through a name change named Abraham, and says, Abraham, I want to make you a great nation. I want to bless you. I want to bless your descendants. I want to give you a land, the land of Canaan, and I want to bless you and the inhabitants of it. And so that same blessing, that promise is passed on to his son, Isaac, and his grandson, Jacob. And that same promise is passed on, that, that purpose, that mission. And then through a series of droughts, uh, the family ends up in Egypt. So Jacob's family and his sons, his kids, they end up, they end up in, e in Egypt. They end up there for an extended period 
of time. They're refugees there. And, but the Lord blesses him, blesses his descendants, and they become very prosperous in the land of Egypt. And the Egyptians say, mm, they're kind of outnumbering us here. We've got to do something about that. So we're going to enslave them. So the Egyptians enslave the Hebrews, the Israelites, the descendants of Abraham. They enslave them. And then uh, they cry out to the Lord. The Lord raises up a man named Moses and says, hey, I want you to lead, I want you to lead an exodus out of Egypt. And so Moses does that, right? So throughout all of this, God has a plan. God has a purpose. God has a mission. God has a promise for these, this group of people. And it's been years in the making. God, to get them out of Egypt, leads them in all sorts of amazing signs and wonders, does all these amazing things. They get out of Egypt. They pass through the Red Sea. They get eventually to the edge of the land that they had been promised for generations. And this is what they do. They say, hey, we want to check this land out. And so they get 12 scouts, and they send out the 12 scouts into the land to check it all out. And they're in the land, these scouts, these 12 scouts are in the land for 40 days. They go and check it all out, and they see, wow, this place is really fertile, so we could... We could have farms here. It's, it's really great to sustain, sustain life. Um, things would grow really well here. It's very fertile. They also see there's some people inhabiting the, the, the place. And 10 out of those 12 uh, spies that go out, the scouts that go out, they come back and they're really nervous. And so they formulate these rumors and say that there's giants living in the land of Canaan. Right? They didn't see any giants there, but they say, hey, there's giants living in the land of Canaan. We look like grasshoppers compared to them, the text says. Well, the other two scouts that were there, they said, no, 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 we can do this. We can move in there. We can overcome the opposition. God has been with us in the past so much, we know that he can overcome this, right? So that's where we're at in our text. So Numbers chapter 14, starting verse 26. So they say, Ten of them say, nope, we need, to, we need to get out of here. We need to change plan. The two say, hey, we need to stick with what God's done. So the, the people, they've, since they started the rumors, gets them all fired up. And the people, you know what they want to do? They say, let's change our leadership and go back to Egypt. All right? So they want to, they this, this promise is right there out in front of them. But they say, you know what? We don't want to do that, even though God has promised it to us for generations and lead us into that. We don't want to do that. We want to go back to slavery. We want to go back to the life that we're familiar with, right? And this is where it comes in Numbers chapter 14, verse 26. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, how long will this wicked community complain against me? I've heard the Israelites dissent as they continue to complain against me. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as I've heard you say, so I'll do to you. Your dead bodies will fall in this desert. None of you who were enlisted and were registered from, the, from 20 years old and above who complained against me will enter the land in which I promised to settle you, with the exception of Caleb, Jephunneh's son, and Joshua, Nun's son. Those were the two scouts that came back and said, hey, the Lord can, take, the Lord can uh, lead us into this land. Verse 31, But your children, whom you said would be taken by force, I'll bring them in, and they will know the land that you rejected. Your bodies, however, will fall in this desert, and your children will be shepherds in the desert for 40 years. They will suffer for your unfaithfulness until the last of your bodies fall in the desert. For as many days as you explore the land, that is 40 days, just as many years you'll, you will bear your guilt, that is 40 years. This is how you will understand my frustration." 
I, the Lord, have spoken. I will do this to the entire wicked community who gathered against me. They will die in this desert. There they'll meet their end. The word of God for the people of God. The Israelites wandered in the desert for 40 years because they rejected God's purpose for them. God had a plan for them. He had proven himself and his plan time and time again, but they still rejected it. They wandered in the desert for 40 years because they rejected that plan. Are any of us wandering around aimlessly in life? If you're going to take this whole message and summarize it into one short sentence, it would be this. When we reject God's purpose for our lives, we wander on a path of our own making. We can create our own paths in life, but they will never end up where we hoped they would. We can make these plans and say, hey, I'm going to go do this. I'm, I'm going to do that. Kind of what Michael was saying during worship, right? Hey, God, if you just did it my way, this would have been the outcome, right? We can set up our own paths, our own purpose in life, but they never end up where we hoped they would. There was this guy in the 90s. He was a football player. And his nickname was Prime Time. Anybody know who I'm talking about? Deion Sanders. Uh, what was his nickname before Prime Time? Neon Dion, right? And Deion Sanders, not only was he an amazing athlete, but he had charisma, right? He had the showmanship to go along with it. Uh, Deion Sanders. He, this is how amazing of an athlete he was for those of you who, who aren't familiar with him or, or forgot. Hey, he's the only person, I'm pretty sure, I think he's the only person in history that, because um, not only did he play football, uh, but he played baseball, right? So he played in the National Football League and played Major League Baseball at the same time, okay? He hit a home run in Major League Baseball and scored a touchdown in the NFL in the same week, how amazing is that, right? And he's, he played in the World Series, and he played in the Super Bowl. And in 1995, he was the highest paid defensive player in the NFL. One of his signing bonuses, one of his signing bonuses was almost $13 million, right? He had it all, right? He had the charisma. He had the talent. He had anything he ever wanted to in life. And do you know where it led him? It led him to write a book with T.D. Jakes, called Power, Money, and Sex, How Success Almost Ruined My Life. The author of the book of Ecclesiastes had in excess women, wealth, and wisdom. He obtained all these things, and the word, word that he used to summarize his experience with all of this was this, pointless. God is our creator, right? God is our creator. So, I want to use a little bit of an analogy here. So what's, uh, what's this in my hand? Good. It's a phone, right? It, um, and more specifically, what is it? It's an iPhone, right? An iPhone. Raise your hand if you have an iPhone, right? All right. So uh, most of you do. Uh, and so with me, I, I really enjoy my phone. It does a lot of cool stuff. It can do a lot of cool things, right? It can make phone calls. That's nice. It can, uh, I, can send, I can send text messages, Right? I can get on the, the social media right? and do stuff. I can check my email. I can do all sorts of stuff. And I think one of the, one of the things I use it the most for is the calendar function. Right? I use the calendar all the time. And what's nice with the phone is it comes with my own personal assistant. Her name's Siri. I don't know if you've ever heard of her. Um, I'm the only one that has her. 
And uh, she, keeps, she keeps me organized, right? So all I have to do is, all I have to do is say, hey, Siri, what do I have going on today? Here's your appointment. At 11 a.m., preach the best sermon ever. Like I said, I love Siri. She's great. She's great. Um, now think of it. Now think of it this way. Think of it this way. Uh, so one of the things I really like about the phone, no joke though, is, is FaceTime. So we have, you all know that we have two little kids and my parents and my in-laws, they live in Indiana. And so it's great for us to be, fa- be able to FaceTime with them. Raise your hand if you, if you like using FaceTime, right? Uh, I mean, we use, it, we use it all the time. And it's great because they're able to see the kids and see them grow and they're able to interact with them. And so that way, when they only see them a couple times a year, they're, they're used to seeing their faces and stuff like that. It's a great feature. Now, now imagine this. Now, who made the iPhone? What's the company? Apple, right? Apple made the iPhone. Now, imagine this. Imagine I said, hey, you know what? My, my, grand, my kids, they haven't seen their grandparents in a while. Let's FaceTime them. So I say, I take my phone and I stick it in the microwave. And I dial my parents' number on the microwave and hit start. What's going to happen? The battery's going to heat up and it's going to blow up, right? And imagine this. Imagine if I came back by next Sunday and said, oh, you won't believe what kind of week I had. Like, I have, I have so much important stuff on my phone. And all I want to do is I just want to FaceTime my parents so my kids could see them, right? Like, I have good motives. And so I did what everybody else did. I stick my phone in the microwave, and I dialed the number on there, and I hit start. And do you know what happened? It blew up. Crazy, right? You'd look at me and say, you're an idiot. You're insane, right? Here's the thing. We do this all the time with our lives. Apple is the one that made the iPhone, so they're the ones that get to tell us how to use the iPhone, right? God's the one that created us, so he's the one that gets to tell us what our purpose is. He's the one that gets to tell us how to use our lives. But we do this every week. I did what I wanted to do with my life, right? I'm the one that created my own purpose. I'm the one that set out my own mission. And guess where it led me? My life, it blew up in my face, We come in every week and nobody's surprised about it, right? When we forge our own paths for our life, it takes us to a place that we didn't mean to go. God is our creator, so he gets to tell us what our purpose is. He gets to tell us the best way to live our life. So I'm going to talk to you about your purpose tonight, today. I'm going to talk to you about your purpose, and I'm going to talk to you about your mission, okay? So turn with me in your Bibles again to Matthew chapter 22. It's the first book in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 22. This is where we find our purpose. This is the reason why you were born. This is the reason why you exist. This is the reason why any of us were born. The reason why any of us exist. Matthew chapter 22. Look in verse 34. There we go. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had left the Sadducees speechless, they met together. One of them, a legal expert, tested him. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? He replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You must love your neighbor as you love yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two 
commandments. You exist to have a relationship with the, creator, with the creator of the universe and to love him above all else with your whole being. And a key part of that love is for you to treat, is how you treat his creation, your neighbor. Our purpose is the great commandment. That's the reason why we exist. And, but God gives us a mission. That mission is just found a few pages to the right in Matthew chapter 28. Starting in verse 16, your mission, it's called the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. Now, this is really, really cool, so pay attention. Now, the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Jesus came near and spoke to them. I've received all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Look, I myself will be with you every day until the end of this present age. Our mission is to introduce others to the love and way of Jesus. Our mission is both shared. Our mission is both shared and specific. It's shared because it's the same mission for everybody in the universe. So whether they believe in Jesus or not, we still share the same mission. Remember that part in the text where it said, but some doubted, right? He gave them the great commission whether they believed him or not. So we all share the same mission of make disciples of Jesus, but that mission is specific as well. It's specific based on the gifts, talents, abilities, and opportunities that God has given you, right? So... If you're like, well, I don't know what gifts, talents, abilities God has given me. Let me ask you a few questions to kind of get, get the, the old gray matter going to kind of connect these dots, okay? So how you carry out the mission is specific to the gifts, talents, and abilities that God has given you. All right, so think about this. What gifts has God given you? Are you good at math? Are you good at biology? Are you a good student? Can you just pay attention in class or pay attention to meeting and have it? Are you good at academics in general? Are you good uh, with mechanics? Can you look at something and see how everything goes together? Are you good with children? Do you enjoy spending time with children? Do you have financial savviness? Are you good at learning languages? All right, start thinking those questions of what, what gifts that God given you. What are you naturally good at? Okay, that's one. Another one is, what could you read about? What could you talk about? What could you write about all day? And be thrilled. So what is one topic, one subject, one area that you could read about it all day? You could write about it. You, can, you could talk to people about it all day. What's one subject that you could have that? Here's another one. When you think about the family you were born into, the experiences you had throughout life, where that has led you, I call that the trajectory of your life. When you reflect on the trajectory of your life, what unique experiences has God led you through? Another one is, and this one's really important, is what makes you angry? When you look at something and you see that's wrong, that needs to stop, um, that somebody needs to do something about that, you're probably that person that God created to do something about it. So when you see something and say that's wrong, that needs to stop, what, what breaks your heart? All right, that's a good, that's a good clue too. Uh, for my students and for anybody in any stage of life, 
when you think through those things of what gifts has God given you, what could you read about, talk about, write about all day, what has God led you through in the trajectory of your life, when, what makes you angry, when you think through all those things, start getting some ideas of, hey, there's this occupation or, or there's, this, there's this area where I could utilize those things, go and job shadow somebody, right? Here's the thing is we're so comfortable, um, we're so comfortable being uncomfortable, it seems like. Right? We're so comfortable walking around like a bunch of zombies that, heaven forbid, we actually step out into something uncomfortable and actually live into the life that God wants for us. Right? Some of you are thinking of like, oh, well, I've had this career for so many years, or oh, I'm past having this career, or oh, I don't know if I could ever do that. Man, you would just be so much more comfortable walking around like a zombie for the rest of your life than actually living life. So I really encourage you, think through those things. Step out. Life is too good not to live, right? So, so think about those things. Job shadow somebody, all right? If, it's, if you say, hey, I think I want to go in, into nursing, job shadow somebody that's a nurse. If it's, hey, I think I want to go into mechanics or I love working outside, go work with different people in those areas. See, see if that fits your life. Because when you live the life you're created to live, you will never feel more alive. I remember when I was a kid, I told you a few weeks ago that we, I was born and raised in the church, right? I joke and say I started going to church nine months before I was born, right? Whenever the church doors were open, the Lauks family was there. I was there Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, and Wednesday nights, right? My parents were super involved in the church, and so they would often, you know, let my older sister and I just kind of run around the church while they, while they did meetings and stuff like that. And there was one... One Sunday afternoon, we were there, and my sister and I, to entertain ourselves, we went up on the stage. And so my sister grabbed a microphone and pretended to sing and stuff like that to lead worship. We had our own little make-believe church service, right? And so I went up, and I did what preachers do. I went up and pounded on the pulpit. And there's this little old lady who passed away decades ago. Her name was Juanita Blosser. Uh, She came up to me, and I'm like early elementary age, right? And she came up to me, and she said, Chad... When you grow up, do you want to be a pastor when you grow up? And I thought about it, and I looked at her, and I respectfully, I said, no, ma'am. And she said, um, she said, well, what if God called you to be a pastor? So here's the thing, is I went to church all the time as a kid, but I hated it. I hated going to church as a kid. So our, our, the church I went to then is completely different than our church. Uh, they didn't have somebody that was there that was investing in the lives of students. They didn't have, they didn't have a modern uh, space for kids to worship and, and engage them. For us, um, in, in the children's area, which was down in the basement of the church, uh, so down there, when you, when you turn on the lights to the boys' bathroom, all these little critters would, would go up the wall, right? That stuff's, that stuff's super scary as a kid, right? We were there all the time, there for all these meetings. Uh, it wasn't engaging. It wasn't fun. It was just, hey, sit down and color these sheets, right? And I couldn't stand going to church as a kid. So when she asked me, hey, do you want to be a pastor or grow up? I couldn't think of anything that I would want to do less than that. I couldn't stand going there as often as I could, let alone working there. And then she said, Chad, if God called you to be a pastor, would you want to? And even at that stage, even though I didn't like going to church, I said, yes. If God called me to, then I want to. Because I knew, even though I didn't like going to church, I knew that if God wanted me to do something, then I wanted to do it, right? And so that led me to stay plugged into the church, and I became friends with um, a guy named Jeff. Now, our youth group, the youth group did not sit at the front of the church. Our youth group at that church sat in the back, 
They sat in the back row. They passed notes. They did their homework. They sat in the entire service. They were not engaged at all, all right, because we really didn't have much of a youth, any kind of youth ministry program. No one really invested in us, right? But there was one guy there named Jeff, and Jeff was a few years older than me, and for whatever led him down this path, I don't know, but he was on fire for God. He sat in the front of the service. He took notes. He was engaged, and he eventually wanted to go to another church that would pour into him more, right? And so I tagged along with him, especially once I got my driver's license, and I went to another church that was dynamic, a church that had a youth ministry, a church that had a children's ministry that actually cared about students and, and cared about the next generation of believers, and I, I developed such a passion for God's word. And I had all these questions because I don't know if you ever read the Bible. It's crazy. There's some crazy stuff in there. some crazy stories, right? It's, it's, it's amazing. And so I'd read through it as a, as a middle schooler, as a high schooler, as I read through it, my poor youth pastors. And I'd go up to them and ask them all these questions about it. And I was, I was super fired up about it. And that led me to go and get my bachelor's degree in Christian ministry, right? Because I had this hunger and I wanted to learn more. And so I did uh, my four-year bachelor's degree in, in Christian ministry, and that led me to my first internship, my first internship. So it's like, hey, I have this, these interests, um, I have these passions about things, and um, hey, let's, let's actually try this out with an internship, right? My first internship was uh, three months long because in Indiana they actually have three months uh, of a summer instead of two. I know, it's terrible. It's terrible. They have three months of the summer. It's pretty cool. It's like June, July, and August. You're out of school. It's amazing. And so I had my internship up there, and where we were at for our office space as interns, so they had, they had the new sanctuary, and then they had the old, old sanctuary, and the old sanctuary, they call it the chapel. And up, uh, up top, the, the chapel, what, that's where the sound booth was, up top. And they had some, like, storage space up there. That's where, that's where my first office was, right? And they didn't, you know, every, every church only keep the utility bills down. So they'd only air condition it so much, you know, as little as possible. But when you're up that high, it gets hot. And we, they had Wi-Fi there at the church, but they didn't have Wi-Fi in our part of the building. So there were three of us up there. If we wanted Internet, we had one Ethernet cord. And so we would have to share internet whenever we wanted it. So we had our own personal laptops that we brought with us. And whenever we wanted internet, we'd have to, oh, are you done with it? Great. I need, I need to plug in. I need to do this. I need to do that. And I remember during the internship, I was, think, I was there in my hot office, right, sharing, sharing internet with, you know, these two other interns. And I remember thinking we were planning for the summer ahead and we were writing our, our messages, coming up with games, trying to think of different fun and interesting things interesting things to do with the students. I remember sitting there thinking, I cannot do anything more and have more fun, more joy in my life than what I'm doing right now, right? And so with that, that eventually led me to go to seminary for me to get my master's degree. It's a three-year master's program at Fuller Theological Seminary. So I moved from Indiana to Pasadena, California to go to grad school. And there they had a quarter system. So you have three classes over 10 weeks. And for each class, we had to read 1,000 pages per class. So if you do the math, that's 3,000 pages of reading every, every 10 weeks. And this is like, like deep theological stuff, right? It's not, it's not light reading. It's very, very dense reading. And I loved it. I loved it. I remember I wrote, a, I wrote a paper on the Trinity. I was on cloud nine. And I read like 750 
extra pages just on the Trinity from all these different views to write this paper. And I was thrilled about it. And some of you would be like, man, that is absolutely crazy. But here's the thing. When you think about my life, Chad, why are you so fired up about children's ministry? Why are you so fired up about youth ministry? Because I don't want another kid to go to church and hate the church, turn their back on Jesus because we're not doing our job, right? You want to see me get fired up? And so for that. So you think about what's the trajectory of your life? What unique experiences do you have to lead you down a path, right? What makes you angry? What gets you fired up? What gifts has God given you? I have the gift of goofiness. <laughs> Just the right amount. Just the right amount. It's on my job description. It's a requirement of a youth pastor. Go and try it. See if it fits. When you live the life that you were created to live, you will never feel more alive because living with purpose is the only way to really live. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 through 6 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't rely on your own intelligence. Know him in all your paths, and he will keep your ways straight. If you want to know more about, okay, hey, I'm buying into this idea that my, my purpose, the reason why I exist is to love God, love others. And my, my mission in life is to go and make other disciples of Jesus in my own unique, creative way that God has blessed me with. And I tell you what, God does not want all of you all to be youth pastors, okay? God doesn't want all of you to be worship directors or anything like that. God wants you to lead disciples of Jesus Christ exactly where you're at in all the different unique areas that God has blessed you with, okay? That's important for you to know. But if you want to know more about, okay, what is, what is God all about? What is Jesus all about? How do I carry out this mission? What does that look like? I'd really encourage you to read something called the Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount. It's Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 in the Bible. It's the most condensed uh, teachings of Jesus that we have in the Bible. So those three chapters, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. What does it look like for me to live out this mission? Don't wander on a path of your own making. Stay on the straight and narrow path that you were born to walk on, that you are born to run on. Don't let aimless wandering suck the life out of you because life is too good not to live. Amen? Amen? Please bow your heads and pray with me. God, we thank you for the freedom that you offer us. Freedom to have the things removed from our life that are sucking the very life out of us. God, may you show us what is stealing our joy. Thank you for creating us to have a relationship with you, to experience your love, to experience your grace, to experience your hope, to share in that same love, to share that same love, that same grace, that same hope with other people, God, to lead others into that same relationship that we have with you. Thank you for giving us a purpose and a mission. May we be faithful to it. In the name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen.